need to do snaps too, don't we? Yeah, I'll snap real quick. I'm just ready to, to roll with it. There you go. The listeners get to hear the behind the, the scenes. Hey, welcome back to, <laughs> as per usual, not quite squared away, Solid 7 Podcast. We are a better than average podcast. Just barely. Just just barely. And once again, that feels like a slight to, to our guest because we have a killer guest this week. He'll be significantly better than average. It's just us coming in just over the bar. We are not a podcast about nothing, but we're not a podcast about any one thing, though lately that one thing has seemed to be Go Ruck and or Jacko. And uh, this week will be no different. So each week we get together, talk about whatever's going on in the world that interests us and invite you to join us. More often than not, we bring along a guest. And this week uh, we welcome a very special guest, Dan Skidmore to the podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. This was, um, I don't even know what the right word for this is. This came about pretty quick and out of nowhere. This was, sometimes we've got guests like in the works and this just kind of, kind of popped up. So I was actually telling, uh, Dan. So, I mean, I guess, I don't know what accolade of yours to start with. Like I was going to say, you know, welcome go rock cadre, but that's like just one of, I don't even know how many hats. You wear? Yeah, I wear, I wear, I wear a few from time to time. So, uh, I, uh, like I just saw Jason McCarthy from go rug repost something of yours that I thought was, uh, you know, pretty poignant or whatever. I'm like, Oh, this is somebody who's worth a, a follow. So I toss out the follow and you just, uh, you know, very kindly reached back and said, Hey, thanks for the follow. Hope, hope training's going good for you guys. Uh, and it struck up a conversation. I'm like, Hey man, open, open door on the podcast anytime. And, and here we sit. That was, that was just a few days ago. So. Yeah. Well, you know, anything, all the good things that I know I've done have happened just like that kind of serendipitously and, um, something I've started doing, I've gone back and forth with it, but, uh, business wise, even with, you know, COVID and the, in the world that we live in now, so disconnected, um, just reaching out to say, Hey, if, if it's worth somebody's hitting the follow button on your Instagram, if they're not a creep or a bot or something like that, say what's up. And, uh, and you never know where it's going to go. And I've had some great, uh, connections made yeah. through that. And, um, and just like this, man, it's like, you never know who's on the other end of the line. And, it's cool. I got you. Yeah, no, hopefully someday we'll get a follow and then we can do that. I really look forward to, to somebody following the Solid Zone podcast on social media. And then we'll definitely do well, that. Would, would, would you rather have a bunch of people that you're uh, influencing in real real life or uh, a bunch of Instagram bots following True. you around? Right now, whatever leads to um, a bigger podcast, honestly, bring on the pods. <laughs> Don't, yeah. All uh, right. All right. Uh, whatever makes sponsors go. No, we'll, we'll throw our money at that. So uh, speaking of sponsors, so we have a, a blatant ploy uh, for love and attention that we've been doing since day one from the podcast. And that is at the very beginning. Uh, and this happened so quick, I didn't have a chance to prime you. But uh, we're unofficially. And by unofficially, I mean, they don't even know we do this sponsored by Jocko Go. <laughs> and so we like to start off every episode by cracking a fresh Jocko go. And so, and this will, this will make more sense as we go on in the pod, but in, in your honor today, I'm going with the afterburner orange. So very nice. You very folks, nice. You folks go out and get yourself a, a Jocko go. <laughs> well, me. I have, uh, I don't have any access to Jocko go here, but I had some Turkish coffee today, uh, kind of like roasted in this, uh, sand pit. Yeah. I've never seen it done before, but this guy, he, uh, basically starts a fire under this barrel and then he's got a, uh, about 
six inches of sand and he rolls this uh, can, like little Turkish coffee pot around in the sand and it evenly heats the coffee inside of it. It was phenomenal. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure I'm not going to sleep tonight. Cause yes. it was like, uh, it was like no. 15 you know, espressos in one little thing. Oh, it was thick yeah, towards I, the bottom. I, and <laughs> I've seen videos of that. Like they do not play around, right? Like it's, oh, it's like the Cubans, oh no, it, like it, it looks like chocolate when they pour, like hot chocolate when they pour it to me. Yeah. And he made, he made a, uh, a point to tell us that the bottom half was like a digestive. So you need to add more water and then drink that after it's all said and done. All right. So, uh, <laughs> man, after, after, after we finish this, I'm going to, I'm going to go train and then, uh, you know, see, see how we're feeling. <laughs> Well, and so that that's, that might be a good place to start with you. Like normally, you know, I'd be like, well, let's let's take it from the top. You know, where were you born? What time of day was it? But um, when we were trying to work out the podcast, you're like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm five hours ahead of you, so it's a little tricky. I'm like, where in the world is five hours ahead? Because uh, England, like the UK, they're like six hours, right? So now then my yeah. wife and I, we're trying to figure out like what random island are you some somehow on? But it's, you're not yeah, on an that, island. You're you're on a proper continent. The island of Africa. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm in Africa in um, Marrakesh, Morocco. So it's uh, oh. north northwest Africa, uh, just below Spain and Portugal. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so right around uh, Emily's uh, area of operations then. Yeah, not, not far, in fact. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, and I was re- just recently kind of trying to do the mental math on one of my buddies coming from that same location because uh, he ended up back there in that beautiful, exotic crap hole. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how I was going to get to see him while he was uh, having a little vacation, um, but didn't didn't really work out. But yeah, not far from there. Yeah. So uh, we obviously we we know we we always said go rock cadre. So there's only so many paths into that, right? And like when I, like when I said like I I've been around or been a follower or fan go rock for a long time, but we just haven't crossed paths. I haven't done enough events. I you know I haven't whatever. So you know we kind of hit together on Instagram. So then I as one does I start you know Instagram and uh, you know podcast stalking you. Hand to God I was I was just coming back from the gym listening to you uh, on Glorious Professionals <laughs> on the way back um but so kind of what was um your path to to the military and and then landing ultimately at, well i mean among other things at, at go rec so i grew up in ohio um small town my father was a professor at the university of ohio and uh into avionics research and uh, engineering and so when it came time to kind of be done with sports and look at going to school. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Didn't have any direction exactly. I knew that I didn't want to waste a bunch of money, like paying into college and, um, you know, just chasing girls around for the first two years until I had no idea what I wanted to do. And, uh, so I decided to check out the military and, um, a bunch of his friends were already in the air force and said that if you want any quality of life and for them to treat you like a, a human, uh, that's the way to go. And so I walked in and said, Hey, I want the hardest thing you got. What? And the recruiter asked if I could swim and would I rather break things and blow things up or fix people? And, uh, and so there's only the one latter. answer, <laughs> there's only one answer <laughs> to that question, man. 
Well, uh, well, there's really two hats. There's a there's a maroon hat and then a scarlet hat, yeah. and uh, and the and the scarlet beret is uh, combat control. And so, you know, you hear a lot about green berets and Navy SEALs, uh, but you don't hear a lot about Air Force Special Operations. And so, there's a couple different flavors now. And uh, and my path ended up being through the combat control path, which is uh, air traffic control, basically the air to ground interface for the, for. Uh, any kind of special operations. So you can right. think, you know, people, packages, wheels, uh, air traffic control, controlling a- an entire airport situation. And then also the sexy part of, uh, dropping bombs. And, uh, and so that's what I got into before I was 21. Uh, so, I was <laughs> now that other hat would have been, cause we've, we've hit on it some here on the podcast before. the other half is PJs though. Yeah. Cause we've talked about how the PJs don't get enough love. Yeah, and they absolutely should. You know, they're they're a vital part of I love uh, my PJs. Of, they're comfy. Yeah. Like I a different color shorts. Yeah, pararescue. Yeah, and, oh and, yeah, uh, I like that too. Yeah, I like that. They're they're also a very comfortable uh, form of human. Uh, but yeah, their 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 primary task is uh you know medical and uh, rescue oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's funny. I, uh, in high school, most of my friend set was older. So I had a whole group of guys uh, from swim team that graduated a year ahead of me that I was close with and had one go army, uh, one go, uh, air force and one go Marines. And they, so they all ended up back in town about the same time comparing stories. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. they're talking about basic, they're talking about whatever. And of course, Marines are Marines. So, you know, there's, you know, there's a little, we'll take those with a grain of salt. But, uh, so my buddy, uh, Dan that went into the air force, he's like, yeah, I ate steak twice a week and we learned how to fold things like really nice like, oh yeah <laughs> like that was his air force basic story but yours wasn't that air force air force path well so. uh at, at basic training it really yeah. still all is so uh eventually i think i think they sorted it out to where all the um they started calling them battlefield airmen we're all kind of together. Um, but man, like it's very vanilla as you go through that first couple couple weeks and then they separate you out and uh separate the, the men from the guys that don't really want to be there. Right. And, uh, and, and also the guys that can swim or hold their breath underwater and, um, are, are just willing to drown to, to stay in the fight. Yeah. So, so they, quickly after basic training, they, they start putting it to you. Right. So then once that, like, obviously, you know, out in the, in the civilian world and, you know, be clear, Josh and I, neither one or, or prior service, just a lot of respect for you guys. But, uh, you know, buds gets all the love, buds gets all the attention, you know, buds gets <laughs> the, the movies, but what, so when you're going, uh, you know, combat controller, what's that selection process like? Like, so they've changed it now since uh, it, since I went through, but I can speak to like back when it was hard. Uh, you do an in-doc course, so anywhere from like two. They at one time they did like a ten-week in-doc where it was um, a lot of water confidence, running around, rucking PT all day, every day. Basically, imagine like a go ruck tough for the entire time, right? You're getting smashed, right. um, and then if you if you complete that and you don't quit during this phase of indoc, which really lasts like, like I said, like two, two weeks until you're ready to go to air traffic control school. Um, man, you're just getting put through the ringer and hardened up by the cadre there in Texas. And then after that, you go to air traffic control school, uh, which is the same ATC course that all of the regular air force guys go through. Uh, so you're an FAA qualified air traffic controller. Then you go to survival course, the, the seer, you know, survive, evade, resist, and then escape if you're lucky. So is seer, everybody, does everybody do the same one? Is that all that Florida course? 
No, uh, no, I actually went to Washington and there's a bunch of, each service has their own, um, their own SEER course, okay, but they're gotcha. all pretty, yeah. they're pretty similar curriculum at each one. Uh, I was actually just talking to a guy, uh, about that today and, um, you know, people's perception of it, but it's basically just, you know, it's it's a lot of the same curriculum. Uh, it just depends on who exactly yeah. is running it for you. We mix I've, it up. I've got I an- know what SEER is, so <laughs> if you had to explain it to somebody that didn't know what SEER was. So survival, evade, resist, and escape, right? An so escape. the school basically, yeah. an escape. So it's basically the school in where they teach you, hey, if you get um, stranded in the middle of nowhere, how are you going to survive on the wilderness? Well, then you're going to have to... Evade getting captured. How can you either blend in or just disappear from somebody that's chasing after you? Uh, and then resist is like interrogation techniques. So you're going to get locked up. You're going to get thrown in a box. You're going to get interviewed uh, very roughly, and um, to, so that you can learn how to resist wow. um, somebody trying to get information from you. As, how long does uh, that as, course, or what would you course? Would you call it a course or that? segment last how long how long is that uh you survive for a couple days um then they then they roll you up eventually and it, you know it's 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 as structured as a formal course can be so there's timelines on everything okay. and you're gonna get caught you know yeah um and then you're gonna go through all of the phases and, and then you're gonna learn about how to do it better um right. that's kind of the the military ways uh, is punch you in the face and then bring you back give you some ice and tell you hey okay we can do it better next time and then you get some training right. um that's awesome. So then the then the escape part is like how do you, how do you get out of a really bad situation? So um, after that, uh, then you go to airborne school and fall out of a perfectly good airplane for a couple times. <laughs> uh, uh, how many feet in the air do you usually jump out of? So when you first start, uh, airborne school is like they're kicking you out at like uh, one thousand two hundred fifty feet. Um, mm-hmm. Plus or minus, you know, uh, and that's the static line series. So like you, you're already tied in, you're clipped into the aircraft. And then when you jump out, it pulls the parachute right. for you. And you're, do- and you're doing that with like a hundred other army bubbas that are just falling to their, uh, gotcha. I was going to say a thousand feet uh, in a second. Like you got to pull that thing quick, but that makes sense that you're, you're already strapped in. And when you're doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, uh, just saying, when you're doing that, aren't you hoping that just some like random E1 or E2 who packed your chute was paying attention? Like you don't even pack your own stuff when you're doing those, do you? No, unfortunately not. Like when you're doing that, uh, they, I think it's better that you don't pack your own shoots for that because you have all the other idiots that would do it terribly right. and, uh, and, and really like kill themselves. And so, um, you know, you count to four and if it doesn't open, you count to like one or two more and then, uh, pull your reserves. <laughs> but, but after that, man, you're, you're, you're screaming in pretty fast. So, uh, and, and then free fall school comes, uh, comes after that. But then you got to, after the, after airborne school, then you go to combat control school where you learn all the tactical side. So you've already got your air traffic control skills and then you move on to learn like communication with the radios, land nav, demo, small unit tactics, uh, how to land it full airplanes on dirt runways and, um, and put it all together and be kind of like kind of almost ready to go out and, uh, actually do things. Gosh, I've done nothing with my life so far. (laughs) Is what I'm learning. Hey man, it's not too late. You can. Uh, it sounds like you're on a path, and you can always, you know, veer off and start doing something else. <laughs> this, yeah, the start, the 12 mile star course is going to be his entry drug. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, but then, so you're not like when at that point, once you're done, when you deploy, it's all with you guys are tasked to all to other units, though, right? Like you're you're supporting all other units. Yeah, we do have a, uh, a small contingent that does solely Air Force work, um, which is primarily based on like the surveys and um, and runway operations. And so, you know, if we needed to go out and, and like research, see what was so in Afghanistan, uh, for instance, uh, if there was a runway that we were like, hey, you know, we want to see if we what we can do here, we would go out and take all those measurements and then put it into a computer and basically write out a survey, just like you do on uh, land surveyors, right. and tell you what what's there and what you can use it for. So that's another um, nerdy part of the job. So then, but then the other units you're supporting is it all SF special operations? Is it some conventional units? Nope, uh, strictly special operations. Nice. So does yeah. that include MARSOC too at this point? I know they were like the redheaded stepchild for a while of special operations, but. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the uh, current custody status of them is, uh, but even, I know that. Are they even still MARSOC? I know every time everybody gets to know a name for something in the military, they like to change it. I can't keep up with it. And, and same with, uh, you know, special tactics. Uh, I know that dudes that like, you know, Hey guys that are in that are doing whatever they do, no matter what hat they're wearing or whatever it's called, like dudes are crushing it and, uh, and fulfilling a pretty cool, cool, cool job and great training and right. hard warriors. So I, you know, whatever you want to call it, man, it's hard hitting dudes. So what's this time frame that you, you enlist and, and you're going down this path? So I enlisted in 2006. Um, and then, you know, after I, so I gave you those couple schools that you go to, yeah. then you go to a, a year in Florida, uh, there at Herbert field in uh, Fort Walton beach. And that's advanced skills training. So you basically do uh, dive school and free fall school, and then just build on all the rest of the, the stuff that you've been learning and base and take it to, you know, a usable level, uh, another year of training there. And then you get put on an actual team where you can you know, get deployed. So, so you guys have to do, to, you have to do combat diving too. Is that all just because uh, of who you're going, oh yeah. the units you're going to support? Like you've got to be able to keep up. That's the point there. Yeah. Uh, and it's all about, you know, getting to work. Yeah. So if you say that the Navy gets there by going underwater, which has happened maybe like twice since, uh, since we've had color TVs. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just another cool way to do things though. You know? Awesome. So you get through schools. What's, what's your first deployment? Cause 2006, like, you know, when you're done with school, you're going to go get after it. Like there's no question. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So my first deployment was, uh, to Afghanistan. Gosh. Yeah. And so uh, like, What's the, cause I, I think at least for the longest time, I, I felt like I'm like Afghanistan or Iraq, like it's all, you know, desert over there. Afghanistan very much not like real mm -hmm. mountainous and stuff. Right. Uh, well, it has a mix of everything, you yeah. know, it's a big, it's a big area. And, uh, you know, depending on if you're in the North or the West or the South, you're looking at completely different terrains. Yeah. So I was lucky. I was real lucky enough to, on my first trip to actually kind of bounce around. And, uh, I was doing that first, that air force specific task. So for a lot of new guys, um, if you're like right in and, and the timeline works out, you might get put on that, uh, that team to only work with air force guys. So I got to see a lot of the country on my first trip was, which was pretty cool. That's cool. And like pretty active, aggressive, that deployment, like what's that look like for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, like it really kind of depends on where you're at. And, uh, and I think that there's like a misconception, it, there can be a misconception of like, you know, you're in the firefight all the time. Um, 
my first, which is not necessarily the case. My first deployment, I kind of ended up like, uh, I really wasn't supposed to be where I was when I first like kind of got, got after it. And, uh, yeah, looking back, it was like, Oh, right place at the wrong time. Uh, but it all worked out. Is this the one now I said, I was listening to glorious professionals. This is the one where you're kind of serving in the JTAC role and you really shouldn't have been, or this is something different. (laughs) No, that was that trip. Yeah. So how does, what, what's, what's the difference in the roles there between like what you're doing for combat control and JTAC? Oh, uh, what do you mean? Like how, how do those differ? Like what were you doing that really maybe you shouldn't have, I mean, as much as you Oh yeah. So, so the JTAC thing. Yeah. So I just, I had gone to the school right. but I wasn't a qual. I wasn't qualified. I hadn't gotten my like, um, evaluations yet. So I, I had, I had the training, but I wasn't fully qualified to do what they wanted me to do. Uh, and that's an additional like process that you gotta, you know, you have to have an evaluator and do so many calls and be signed off on, um, and that, that JTAC role, like that, that gig is you're really, you're calling down the thunder of the gods. Like that's what that, that gig is. Yeah. That's it. Yep. Like every asset in the air is yours. I mean, are you with the kind of units where it's like whatever you want, you're getting? Uh, not necessarily. No. Yeah. And that's kind of the, you know, uh, not at all. It's really kind of based on what's available right. and, um, and you know, that can vary drastically depending on where you're at, the weather and what else is going on in the, in the area. What, uh, did you have a, a favorite thing to call in where you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, man, like I ended up, uh, the A-10 by far. It, well, yeah. Anytime you're doing it is awesome. But, uh, specifically the A-10 because yeah. it's so low and, um, uh, you know, so cool looking it's like right in your face and, uh, and you can hear everything and really get after it. Oh, that sound is like, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's just, they built a plane around a giant gun and it's amazing. Oh yeah. And even like the, just the whistle of the the aircraft flying around and then the burp of the gun is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. And they've tried to kill off the A-10 several times and everybody loves it. Like, yeah, they just won't let them get rid of it. So first to Afghanistan, but not your only deployment, like looking at your, you know, where all you've been, it's like spin a globe and and put your finger down. And I feel like you've, you've been there. Uh, well, I missed, I think I missed out on a couple of fun trips, but, uh, just ended, ended up, I didn't back away from any, that was, uh, that was my, I think that's where I put my most pride is like, you know, whenever, whenever it was time to go, that's where, we, that's what was happening. Yeah. Now is, you know, within combat control within the air force, is it, is it a typical deal where it's like, there's, you know, there's SF, there's SO, there's, there's the teams, there's whatever. And then there's, then there's tier one. Like, is there that mm-hmm. progression available to you guys? Oh, oh or, yeah, or, absolutely. Or, or it's 2021 guys or gals, my bad, but no, yeah, there's a, there's all, there's always a progression and, yeah. uh, and that's, that's the path that I took. So what's, is that, again, is that internal where you're going, uh, is it a, an additional selection process internal to the air force for that? Or is that something you're doing with, uh, you know, like at that point, is it something you're doing like with dev or you're going to green team or. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I was just talking to somebody else about this the other day and that's a fantastic question. So the air force does their own as well, but it mirrors, uh, the army and the Navy. So, you know, we look at kind of the, the, the standard of what guys are doing and, and what we need to hold ourselves accountable to, and then make it happen for ourselves. Cause nobody knows you better than guys that are 
intimately familiar with it and what they need to keep up. And then we'll also run in that training course that it ended up being about nine, 10 months. Um, it, we do a lot of inner service training as well. Gotcha. So how, how'd that go? Well, for the first time, for the first year for me, it didn't, didn't go real hot. Uh, I had to, had to reaccomplish the whole thing cause I was young and dumb and thought I was a lot better than I was. Uh, but it was it, really a blessing in disguise for me and, uh, gave me a lot more experience. And then after that, I mean, got a whole, a whole lot of extra training. And, uh, I think it was the, probably the best thing for me. I mean, it taught me a lot of humility as well. Well, I, I like, I, I I think most guys, I, I would assume, or at least who I've talked to in the reading I do and stuff like that, um, at that point in a career like that, you probably haven't failed at much just in general military or otherwise. I would assume probably some failed marriages along the way. But aside from that, um, yeah, that came that came later for me. Yeah. Uh, but it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I had uh, we've talked about it on here before. Actually, Emily's episode, my, my ex brother in law, uh, he flew Hornets and uh ended up getting medically grounded and i can't remember what it was he was trying to get into after that because at that point like you've got your wings and can't fly you really got to get creative with how you're going to continue to progress your career and there oh, was sure. something he put in a packet for and didn't get and it was just such a foreign experience to him mm-hmm, to not mm-hmm. get and he still you know he went on to do some cool things and was in mccain's office and ended up in the dia and some different stuff before he got out but uh yeah, it was just to, to watch him like be like, "What do you mean? I I didn't I didn't win." It's just uh, it's just a different thing. So yeah, and, and if I could, if I could put my second favorite aircraft, it would definitely be the probably the F eighteen uh, launching Laser Mavericks down at uh down at basically anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know that was a that was a, a real tough experience, and I just come off of like getting a pretty high level, a couple high level awards, and like the twelve outstanding airmen of the year, you know, and like I was totally winning, and then it was like, oh well, you need to do this again because uh, you're not quite up to the standard, and so it really checked me where I was at, and uh, and it's helped give some good perspective. Yeah. But so then second time through successful, somewhat of a leadership role. And then at, at that point, do you kind of get dedicated one way or the other with those tier one teams? You guys, are you able to kind of bounce back and forth? Uh, the way it was, yeah, you do some bouncing. Uh, but the way that it was is you basically do a couple of year shift. Uh, so you can build some continuity with the guys and then you would, after a couple of years, switch. Yeah. Sometimes like military acronyms are bad enough. And then I have just this little modicum of understanding that, uh, and then I'll forget. So it's like, when we say tier one, that's seal team six, which then was dev grew. And I think now is something else. And I haven't kept, kept up with it. And then Delta, which I don't think is Delta anymore. And I think the government still says Delta is not a thing period, despite all of the movies and books <laughs> and podcasts and everything else. Uh, yeah. But that's like cream of the top. Um, I feel like I, one of the the best kind of takes on um, that level is uh, the book Fearless. I can't remember the author, but have you read that one? No, sir. Gosh, I wish I could remember the top. The book's definitely Fearless. Don't mind the fact that I can't remember who the it was written about or who wrote it, but a fantastic book. But it's a dude who was a SEAL, ended up in DevGrew, but he he made it uh, to DevGrew with uh, sight in one eye. Mm, like wow. he, he was in a Humvee that rolled. He had crushed a hand at one point. I can't remember if that's when he lost the sight in one eye. Uh, but mm. he had lost that sight before he went that path and still made it. Eric, 
Wow. Eric Blem. That might be the author. Can't remember if that's who it's about. Either way, go check out the book. But it kind of gives you an insight to that and what it takes. It, it's funny, you like <laughs> just to hear him talking about like when they're doing CQB and room clearing, like how much faster he had to rotate his head just to cover his his zones of fire because I can't see <clears> on this side. So uh crazy yeah. and like overcame a coke addiction that haunted him like throughout it's it's insane it's it's a worthy mm-hmm. read um it's a it seems like it's about adam brown and yes this book is written by eric blem there you go so it was the right mm-hmm. name i just didn't know if it, yeah. it was the <laughs> the topic of the author so worth a read so i mean that's that's kind of the, so how long are you you're are you out now are you separated now or are you yeah yeah. yeah, so I got out, uh, decided to part ways in 2015. I was at the end of my uh, contract and I really wanted to, you know, spend time focused on family and building my business. And, uh, you know, my, my time, my idea at the time was, hey, if I stay in, I'm going to hit, I'm going to miss like five years of the kid's life and, uh, in the next, in the next, 10 years and, or, uh, or get to focus on building my own path. And, right. uh, so I decided to take on the, the goal of, entrepreneur and uh then it's been since so got out in 2015 and been cooking along ever since because at at that at that point when you're when you're tasked the tier one teams are you doing their workups with them so is it like 18 month workup six month deployment type format or what did that look like there towards the end uh i think it was in quarters so uh basically fours gotcha so i mean not not yeah not a lot of home and family time there no. And I, and you know, like you could basically bank on like gone 300 to 330 days out of the year. Um, and I just did the math and really like kind of just made that choice. You know, I was either, Hey, you're going to do the whole 20 or make a decision. And, uh, and I was at that point. So, yeah. so then what, what was next? Well, uh, then I, so I had got into ownership of a, a CrossFit gym, uh, b- before I got out of the military. So that was kind of my fallback plan. And, uh, luckily I had an awesome mentor. Uh, one of the guys that I served with, uh, actually went to basic training with, and then we were in together, deployed together a couple of times. And, uh, then his father kind of took me on as a mentor and, uh, started hitting me in the head saying, Hey, like, if you don't, if you don't capitalize on some of this, it's going to be real difficult for you. And, um, started making some changes and looking at the way that we worked our small business differently. And, um, and just, you know, trying to, trying to maximize what we had going on. And, uh, and that takes a lot of time and effort and people. And so that's what we were doing in North Carolina, uh, right outside of Fort Bragg, still there. Um, and, uh, so we built that and basically, you know, try to go from one small business to five kind of supporting it. And, uh, and that's what we did. Gosh, that's awesome. So how'd you end up hooked up with GoRuck? Cause most now, a, if you can clear up uh, the debate for me, I've heard you say cadre. I hear Jason say cadre. I always naturally want to say cadre. What's right? Or is it whatever feels good to you? I guess if it, it depends on if you're from Boston or uh, or Florida. And, uh, man, I've always said cadre. Um, yeah, cadre, cadre, whichever tomato, you prefer. Tomato, tomato. I, tomato, yeah. Um, I just, I just don't, don't call him sir. I think that's yes. the, uh, that's the well, phrase that pays. And that's my thing. I, I told this story, I think, when, when we had Emily on. Like, my first event that I did was a, a light back before they were basics. And our, our uh, cadre, I don't know if he was still doing it when, when you would have started with Go Rack. Uh, David Lyles, have you ever come across him? 
Oh, did he have another? Uh, no, unless he had another name, like was, uh, a nickname. I think everybody just called him Lyles. Because when I talked to Emily about uh, my cadre was David, she blanked. And then when we were talking mm-hmm. to Jason afterwards, he goes, oh, yeah, Lyles. Because Jason actually did that light with us. It was his first event. Oh, um, nice. And so then she's like, oh, Lyles. She just didn't, by the first name, it didn't mean anything to her. But he was an old school SF guy. Immediately made us take our shoes off because we had to liberate our feet. Because, you know, liberation's a whole thing with those guys. <laughs> Um, but, uh, like I just like, I'm totally freaked out doing this, right? I'm doing this with my buddy who's, who's prior service. He was a, a cab guy with several deployments, totally squared away. Awesome dude. He's going to do the star course with us in a, in a couple weeks here. But, uh, like this is just no factor for him. Like he was, you know, it was just another day at, at in life for him. So, but I'm freaking out. So I just want to, like, I want to put in my work, right. But I'm just looking to gray man it. And the second, like when they were doing ruck checks, uh, Lyles walked right up to me. He's like, yeah, you look squirrely. You can be team leader. I'm like, holy crap, nice. man. <laughs> um, so then I just could not stop calling him, sir. I just like, there's just this level of respect for this dude and what he's done in me at this point. And I just, we should have done, he didn't bust me on it too often. Like we should have had to do way more burpees or pushups or whatever our punishment was, but I just couldn't cut it out. Just kept calling him, sir, the whole time. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I've never, I've never actually given anybody uh, any kind of punishment or punishment for uh, sir. But man, it's like you know, kind of the the joke in the military. If you're an NCO, you work for a living. Yes. And uh, and if you're an officer, you know, hey, what it, it is, what it right. is. But uh, your question, uh, how I got into Go Rock, yeah, yeah, one of the yeah. guys that I. One of the guys that I served with, uh, Kadri Fury, um, he was a member at my gym and I'd spent that first year basically just focused on the business solely and, uh, and it kind of consumed everything for us. And I started missing out on things that we did a lot. Like I, yeah, tra- we traveled a lot. And so Todd would, uh, Kadri Fury, Todd would come back and be like, man, I was just in Germany. I was just in Washington, DC. This is what I was having these guys do. And all of it sounded like, you know, pretty interesting and, uh, and fun. And he, he knew that I was kind of interested in it. And I, right. I kind of like drop, drop a little hint, like, Hey, what's going on with this? What's, Oh, that sounds cool. Okay. What's that all about? And he was like, Hey, are you? and then he finally offered and, um, yeah, I got hooked up with the, uh, management guys and did my own event and, uh, got into it and man, just started pinging as much as I could and yeah. uh, was, was really lucky to be able to jump on as many events as I could because we had an awesome staff at my gym and uh, they could all cover down and, you know, have coaches for Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So I could travel and, um, and do go rook events and racked up a bunch of them and got a lot of cool experience out of it. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Now you're uh, kind of an exception on the cadre team though, right? Like there's not many air force guys, are there? No, only a few. There's like maybe like one old school combat controller, and uh, and I've always had a great time whenever I've worked with him, and uh, maybe maybe one or two new guys, but that's it. Yeah, I know it's you know it's always leaned SF because of Jason. I know every once in a while like a seal will sneak in, and, and you know then it's just brutal ragging nonstop for them. But I think I think that's just a team guy life. I think they're used to those. But that's cool, man. Uh, that's such yeah, a different experience. To- good to diversify a little bit too. You know, yeah. and I think that's part of the, uh, the ideal of the company. Yeah. Now, do you have a, uh, and that's, so part of what I thought would be interesting to have you come on that we didn't really hit on with, uh, Emily and we've got a decent group now, um, that's going to come and do the star course with us. I think we're up to eight to 10 to been depending on some travel for some people. We'd really like to see some more. And I think maybe we haven't done a good enough job kind of explaining really what rucking is, but then kind of what the events are about in particular star course. Cause we talk about like the, the cool, you know, 
uh, happy, I say this lovingly, beat downside of Go Ruck, but that's not what Star Course is at all. So I'm hoping maybe we kind of talk through it from the cadre side and maybe we convince a few more people to ruck up. We still got a couple of weeks here and really like you should probably put a few miles in your feet before the star course, but it's 12 miles. It's not a lot. It's like, it's not a lot that you need to do to be ready for that. I feel like. Yeah. And I'd say that most people should be able to, you should be able to do 12 miles, but even my, for myself, when I first went to basic training, I wouldn't have been, I would have been definitely scared by 12 miles. I mean, at the end of combat, at the end of combat control school, we do a 15 miler and that's after a week of hard, field training exercises. Yeah. But the last thing you do is a 15 miler. And I was terrified of that because yeah. I'd never gone that distance before, but, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll go for it. But you know, there is a little difference between the tough and the basic or the light and the, the hard, like yeah. gut check events. And, uh, Hey, let's just get some miles in and, and see a city and have some, uh, good times, not necessarily cadre driven. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, to know the solid zone podcast is to know that we love a little rabbit trail. So like for, like for you saying, like if you wouldn't bat an eye at 15, I still can't quite wrap my head around what your life is. Right. So you're in Marrakesh, but did you just climb a mountain in Mexico? Uh, no, that was in Morocco. Oh, that, okay. um, so yeah, I mixed up my, so yeah, my M's. <laughs> That's okay. No, I'm here in Morocco and, uh, just actually yesterday summited the, the highest peak in North Africa. And it was, uh, know over four thousand meters um pretty good climb so wow. yeah time. that's not too shabby yeah. no i had a guy uh had a guy from switzerland put he put out something on our uh, sandbag and ruck training group and he, he kind of put it out as a an open invite to anybody that wants to go do this like four day excursion and climb this thing and i, I hit him up and i was like hey you should just come down here and do it with me and we'll do it in two and um not make it a big deal and, um, so he came down, uh, we linked up and made it all happen. You know, you take a, you take a guide up and it was a really fun, fun little trip. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. You said it took two days to hike that? Uh, yeah, you go, you get acclimated, um, basically from the base to this like refuge, um, just this like camp out spot overnight. And, uh, and then the next morning we woke up at 4am in the dark, got to the top to see the sunrise and, uh, and then return to base nice. and uh and, and i had, i put this in the comment but uh my wife was you know i, I immediately like we, we just had a baby he's uh he's turning three months tomorrow and i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna ruck him up like we're gonna we're gonna go to the top of this mountain and uh her mother's intuition was not was like oh that's a bad idea um and so i hit up <laughs> one of my buddies who uh who's like a real a real outdoorsman and who i trust and i was like hey what do you think about this like is this a bad idea and he kind of talked me out of it so i i put you know in the in the in the broest of ways he talked me out of it sent me sent me some good research from uh from nepal where uh, people are doing this kind of stuff all the time and uh so we made the decision and i just put his body weight in my ruck and uh and took him up that way in spirit. Dude, I, I love that. That's a thing you needed to be talked out of. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, I do have to say I've been a little throw a little Christianese at you here, but I've been feeling the conviction as I've been Instagram stalking you where I'm like, I've, we've, I've got, um, a son that's just about to turn four in a couple of weeks here and a daughter that, that just turned two, uh, and they're constantly my excuse for not doing evening things. Like I'd love to be rolling jits right now. And I'm like, ah, that's that much more time away from the kids in the evenings after working. And they change so much at this age. And so then I see pictures on your Instagram of your newborn, like on the side of the mats as you're rolling. I'm like, Oh, I just need to, yeah. I just need to take my tiny children to, 
<laughs> to there you go. That's the play. That's what I've been getting wrong. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, so I've got a eight year old daughter as well. And, uh, and my whole goal with her was to not, um, not let it slow down what we're going to do and involve them in everything. And yeah. yeah, like it can be, it can be tough to make that like time, uh, commitment. And I even felt a little guilty as like, man, I spent a day away and I come back and I feel like he's bigger. Um, but I know that if I was still in the military, it wouldn't just be a day. It would be like weeks at yeah. a time. And so, Hey, dad, dad's got to travel to, to, you know, put food on the table and, and do awesome things. But men in civilizations have been doing that for forever, yeah. right? Yeah. Warriors forever, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the warrior culture. You're away and then you come back and you have positive influence on your kids. And, um, and I, I really think, you know, just bring them along, you know, and we, we, that's what we've done with, uh, our, our son as well. Yeah, that's good. I hope you can do that, man. I hope you start doing that. Yeah. I, you know, I catch I, my, my buddy, Mike, that I, I talked about, we call him uh, Mike redacted on here, which is funny when we have people like you or, or Emily on where redacted makes more sense. He's just, uh, he's a Lieutenant at a local police department. We're like, dude, if we ever have you on here and we say something controversial, which is entirely likely, like it's hard enough to be a cop right now. We don't want to jam you up with our little podcast. So we call him Mike yeah. redacted. It wouldn't be hard to figure out who Mike is, but, um, but yeah, Mike Mike gives me that that same uh, hard time and i'm i'm leaning more that way more and more here where it's like it's yeah the, the time weighs a pain but i also want the kids to to see me and be influenced by me doing those things um, i mean i've never yeah. seen my dad and i'm <laughs> doing all right right now yeah john yeah. Uh, josh's dad passed away how old were you uh 15 and uh mine died in january of 2020 and uh neither one of us is very shy with gallows humor so we like to sprinkle in a dead dad dad joke occasionally so don't mind Man, i'm us. sorry to hear that guys yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a real bummer josh doesn't even know how to shave because of it so luckily he's, he's part asian so it's not i a can't real wait problem. till i hit puberty and i can grow a beard like you <laughs> hey, this, this took me a solid 34 years so i'm uh, still working on it there you all go, right man. so i got four more years and then it'll pop in for me <laughs> so, you have potential <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you have, um, cause you're into a lot of stuff, man. I want to talk about some of the cause stuff you do, do and some of the business stuff too, but I do want to hit that go rock sales pitch first. So talking about like their, their tra- kind of traditional events, right? The, the, the light, the tough. Now I always still want to call it a challenge, but the light, the tough in the heavy, um, do you like, do you have a, a favorite and, and doesn't not narrow to those, but is there one you really like to, to run? Cause of course, you know, there's. Um, some stuff has come and gone. I always really wanted to do ascent and just really never got around, got off my butt and got around to it. But so there's some different one-off things, but is there something that's your favorite? I think that I like, uh, over time I've kind of bounced around as well. Uh, and all the events have different, different benefits, but the heavy specifically because you get so much time yeah. and you also get to work with another cadre or sometimes two. And so, you know, that, that like bonding experience as well as, more time and, yeah. um, and, and you can really get to know people and, uh, and break people, break, break people down, but also like experience more, uh, yeah. together. So it used to be, my favorite used to be like the ascent or the expeditions where you can like teach and you're out in the wilderness. But, uh, I think what it comes down to it, man, it's, if you have 24 hours, you can have so much fun. Yeah. And so like breaking nothing, the the listeners couldn't figure out on the GORIC website, or I guess GORIC events would be the the place to go now. But, um, so trying to find what exactly is in the go. Oh, it's the longest and most difficult single team event that GORIC puts on. The event lasts longer than 24 hours and is guaranteed to be over 40 miles long. (laughs) 
No factor. Yes. Uh, no factor. Goruk has completely revamped the heavy event and has definitely turned it into a whole new beast. It's, that's just good living right there. Yeah, absolutely. So I told Emily to migrate shame. I still haven't even done a, a what would it be now? Uh, I, I still haven't done a challenge. Like the only traditional event I've done uh, is the light. I'm going to correct that here in the, in the near future, but um, okay. cause we're, we're going to keep this, this train roll and a kind of, or at least I am, I've kind of tossing out some, some challenges going forward. And so this came about for us, like Mike redacted came on our, on our podcast about 10, 10 weeks ago. Now I guess it was episode 21. So it'll be 10 weeks from this episode when this one goes live and just kind of threw that out there. Right. So he, he kind of read through the, uh, the, the poem, uh, you know, uh, do not go quietly, right? So raging against the dying of the light. And let's put the phones down and turn the TV off and go go make some stories to tell, right? Let's do something worth worth talking about. And he kind of threw out the gauntlet to on our podcast, right? Of he zeroed in on some challenges, he's or some events. He's like, I think as the Solid Seven podcast, he's been a regular guest for us. We should either do and he had picked out a light, he had picked out this twelve mile star course, and I think maybe something else. And so we zeroed in on the star course because I do believe the twelve miler is the perfect go ruck entry drug but uh the yeah. the lights um what are they is it four to six hours for the lights or the, yes. the, the basics basic yeah basic is five plus hours seven to ten miles uh 50 pound weight required wait oh it's it how much you weigh no 50 is too right. heavy yeah i know it's it's nah. 20 pounds 20 pounds if you're under 150 yeah. i don't know why it says 50 pound requirement then right above it shows 150 pounds you get 20 pounds if you're over 150 you you carry 30 Okay. Yeah, and all the all the all the magical benefits start happening if you got you know fifty pounds. If you got less than that, I don't know that you're really grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, that's so unfair. But uh, now they like for the longest time, like the t-shirts that, you know, it was like under promise and over deliver. So these are all like ranges. It might be longer. It might be farther. I, I can say for sure that if you go and do a basic that has Jason in it, uh, the cadre is going to over deliver. Cause ours was not an average basic that, that we did. No. no, not at Not at all. And there's no script, you know, this is really like basic doing things that, that your cadre wants to do. And, and, pounding the lessons that he wants to teach home. So you could do a hundred events and not one would be the same. Yeah. You know, I've had a bunch of people do different events with me over and over and over again. And very rarely we do, we do the same things. Right. Um, and so that, that's, that's the beauty I, I think. And cause there's, there's a range, Hey, we want to hit this, but details not work, not forthcoming show up and be ready to put out yeah. and uh and that, that keeps everybody fresh right and it keeps the events fun right i think for me that because you're not always doing the same thing well and i've always wondered that on the outside looking in like as far, from the cadre side like how much of the event is on you like how much do you guys have to go and kind of like recon when you're doing it plan out your your core like how much of that falls to you guys and what's that process look like yeah 100 percent um i would get my, I would basically request the events that I want to run and then recon starts and Intel gathering starts immediately. You know, I would hit people up in the city and get ideas for where we should go. Or if they, if we have weight available or, right. you know, extra stuff to carry or hit starting up gyms to drop in at and do workouts and have things to do way in advance. Um, and, and depending on, you know, the event weekend, uh, what we're trying to memorialize or talk about that can kind of drive some of your actions, but I've never got micromanaged by anybody at go ruck and, uh, which is so awesome. And it's really like refreshing yeah. because 
they, they trust the guys to do a good job. And, uh, and I think, you know, you guys have talked to them before and they, they do have a, a good vetting system. Uh, and so, and I would say that until you get to like the team assessment or selection where they're, they're really dialed in and, and planned way in advance. Um, the, the other events, and you got one guy and he's putting on a, what he thinks is going to be a hard event. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, so like for 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 the, both of our listeners, like we we talk about these events and the and the physical challenges, right? And so, the traditional events start with like a welcome party, which is uh, just a loving way to describe you're you're going to do some hard PT for a little while. That's going to be your your entry into the event, and those run for various amounts of times based on. The, what, which event you're doing and who the cadre is. I felt like ours when I did that light ran long. Uh, that's probably just because <laughs> I was a fatty, but it felt like a long time for a welcome party. Right. Um, and then, you know, then you're, you're probably going to ruck and you're going to find some place to get wet. Like I've always been shocked that, I mean, I guess Florida has plenty of water, but w- when I first saw Orlando events coming up way back in the day, I'm like, where are you going to get wet? But it doesn't matter. A, a fountain, a pond, a creek, gators don't matter. Snakes don't matter. You're, you're going to get wet. You're going to find heavy stuff uh, to carry. There's going to be some challenges, but it's not, it's not a, a race. It's not a mud run. I think we've said that before. Um, and actually like you referenced selection, right? So there's a couple of events that are outliers for go ruck selection and team assessment being one. And they, they just finished uh, selection. And if you haven't started following go ruck social media or anything like that already, I highly recommend pull them up and go look at selection it's a different event right it's enforcing a standard and so i actually when we were talking about trying to get you on the podcast i'm like oh are you working selection and your response was no i'm too nice i want everybody to finish and that's that's kind of the difference right like we talk about these events and they're hard and they're really hard and they're and they're challenging but the goal isn't to get you to quit it isn't to get you to stop right can you talk maybe about that some just from your point of view as as a cadre how you view that yeah um Yeah, that's a great thing to bring up. And especially since, you know, this last weekend was selection where, you know, it's really boiling down to a very difficult event and they're going to go until, uh, until they're done and they're going to write out the uh, evolutions that the participants need to complete. And it's going to be crushing. Um, you get to know everybody in it. So even the cadre, they're, they're cheering on the guys. Um, but you know, the other events I've said, I said this at most of my welcome parties and, and really, which is just the admin side phase of the event is I'm not there to get anybody to quit. I don't enjoy that process. I don't enjoy, enjoy seeing people fail, but I'm also not going to beg anybody to stay. Yeah. And so that, that puts the onus on stay on not quitting back on them. And then it kind of peels everybody together. And I actually, since I've started saying that and I still like, it's, I, I'm not there to personally attack anybody, um, but that has kept more teams together and helped the team realize that, hey, this guy isn't just here to beat us down and break us. He wants us to get through this together as hard as it might be. Um, but the selection event, you know, that's a, 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 a huge part of GORUCK, and it's kind of the, 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 the top of the pyramid where not a lot of guys make it. And I think there's only been maybe one guy that's finished in the last couple of years that hasn't seen go ruck one, the selection course once or twice, yeah. you know, guys show up, they fail, they show up, they fail. And then they finally might get through it. Dude, this, this year's finisher, Chad, Holy cow. Guys, I'm telling you, you got to go back and watch the coverage of this event. 
yeah. th- this guy Chad, not his first look. He, I think he tried Ooh. selection. I think three years ago, um, and and dropped. Um, and selection's a forty-eight hour event. And so, you know, if you watch the documentaries, uh, you know, about like any of the selection courses in the military, whether that's, uh, that's buds, that's, um, you know, ranger school, all that different stuff. This is 48 hours of that. This is either you meet the standard or you don't, this isn't, uh, we want you to find some new strength deep down within though. I think maybe you have to, to finish, you could speak better to that than me, but it's just a different thing. And so I think 22 started this year and he was alone at the 24 hour mark. Like he was, he was it last man standing with 24 hours to go Yeah, and man, what a strong dude. Yeah. Well, and like you hit it, man, you have to have already found that strength. Uh, it's not going to like show up randomly on selection. And the crazy thing is, is it becomes an individual event, right? So you can look at buds, you can hoo your way through carrying a boat on your head for a long time, right? With your boys. Um, but when you have, seven dudes that are all breathing down your neck and all eyes are on you. You really have to have already established that you are the man and you're going to make it through. And, um, and he did. So that was awesome to see. Well, and like looking back, he had somewhere between, I think it was between those, he completed team assessment, but his partner dropped and he finished that alone. (laughs) So you can see video of this dude rucking. So he's got his, his ruck, which is not your standard. Like it's a heavier loadout than standard when Mm -hmm. you're doing that. He's got a 120 pound sandbag on top of his ruck, just, just Mm -hmm. trucking along. And gosh, just, just a beast, man. What a, what a superhero. So you, you said you've done a selection yourself. Who? No, oh. me. Yeah, yeah, Dan. So, so the cadre do not participate in the Goruck selection course. Oh, okay. We've already gone through our selection course. That's uh, okay. That's already okay. set. Yeah. Gotcha. The the idea is that you know, hey, I I did my selection when I was nineteen, twenty years old. Right. Hit a bunch of deployments. We're T for trained on that. Gotcha. Um, how like how how close would you say looking at selection it approximates the that those actual processes? I mean, is it's is it a real slice of that life? Man, there's da- there's evolutions that are uh, I think back to like what we call our like hell week, um, thinking through evolutions of that, and it's it's spot on to like the way that we can create that stress, right? Yeah. Because that's really all 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 it is. You know, I think back to like some of my tough uh, some of the hell week iterations where it's like. How would that have sucked any worse? Okay, gas mask, full kit, ruck, running around the flight line, like carrying everything, not sleeping for days on end. Um, you do have a team, but that's there. There's not really an individual selection course in the military, right? So we're we're recreating something that is. Hey, man, I, and I really uh, over the years I've looked at this, and I don't know if Jason, I don't know if that's this is shared by Go Ruck, but it's really like, you know, once your selection finisher. You're like, you're like, you're at that level, right? Yeah. I mean, you could, you have proven that you have what it takes to, if you, and, and Chad's an older guy, you know, yeah. he's, he's full-time gym owner now. Um, and that's what he does on a full day. He's, he's been a professional his whole life. He's not, he's not trying out to go to war. He's doing this for pride and himself and yeah. his family. And, um, and so, you know, to overcome what he had failed and it's just a big challenge, which he's done his whole life. And so there's that different dynamic of what you can put yourself through when you're in your mid thirties and a really freaking hard thing to do. Yeah. And, and you know what? And like we talk, we're talking a lot about selection Man, maybe it's that doing a, a 
12 mile rock. Yeah. Like what's that, what's that next obstacle that you can chase after? Cause 12 miles isn't nothing to bat an eye at yeah. like a couple hours on your feet. You can do some serious damage yeah. and whether it's blisters or, you know, trap pain or getting across town with your luggage, like yeah. that's really challenging for some people, but until you reach that milestone, well, then you're going to say, what's the next thing? And you guys are going to do that 12 miler and then say, okay, well, I'm ready for maybe 15 to 20 on this next tough. And then checking out to see what's next. So you got to use those little milestones and uh, and keep progressing. Yeah. And that was going to kind of be my pivot that I think we haven't really done as much as like, okay, so we've talked about all the kind of like scary, intimidating go ruck stuff. And, but the star miler just, just isn't that like 12, you're right. 12 miles isn't nothing, but you're not. There's no, there's no PT. You're not going to be doing burpees with a ruck on your back. You're not going to be doing squats with a ruck on your back unless you, you really want to. It's, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of that entry level, like really just get up and get active. And, and yeah, everybody's in a different place, right? So 12 miles is going to be a different challenge for different people, but I, I just can't stress how much it really is attainable. You, you're, you're with friends, you're with family. Uh, you know, you're really kind of just, just hiding the miles and it'll kind of creep up on you at the end. Uh, but it's, it's not this big, scary thing, this big physical component. You're not gonna, you know, have to be team leader and figure that out. You're not going to have to get in any water anywhere. Uh, you're not going to be covered in sand at at any point. Um, it's, it's just a, a great gateway into figuring out, Hey, I can, I can get out and do something outside that's active, um, and actually not look at my phone for 12 hours and feel better. And, and my next conversation, the next time I'm at dinner with people, instead of me going, Oh, Hey, I saw this funny meme. It gets to be, Oh, Hey, I did this awesome thing. Let me tell you about this thing. I actually lived, actually experienced, not this thing I saw, not this thing I read, not this thing I heard. Let me tell you about this yeah. thing I, I did. And I just think at, especially at the weights, it's, it's not as heavy for, for the star course. It's just super, uh, attainable. And if you come out and, and, and hate it, then, then, you know, but I just really don't think you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the star course started with the 50 miler, right? Yes. That's, that was the, um, the, a couple years back they put it out and it was like, Oh, all of a sudden a couple hundred people signed up and we were like, Oh, well, I've never gone over 20 miles, but why not try 50? And, um, and so you get a lot of people that are on that far end of the spectrum. But then as we whittle it away, it's like, okay, what's a marathon, a marathon, a 26 mile ruck is much different beast than a 50 miler. Right. Mm-hmm. I would attack that kind of, you have to have a different game plan, right? Slightly. Well then 12 milers, even for the top guys, you know, when you say a 12 miler to an army guy, they're like, Oh man, that sucks. Right. Cause yeah. I know that I have to go really hard. But then if I say a 12 miler to anybody else, like it's scary, uh, but it should be attainable. And if you can build up to that of like ruck a couple times, ruck an hour a week, right? If you can get four miles, maybe if you're, if you're really pushing the pace five miles in an hour, then as a, as a gut check event on the weekend with your buddies, let's push the, push the distance a little bit to 12. And then you can really, you can come back down and, um, you can compare your scores to guys that are in selection course or high level military guys doing a time 12 miler. Um, so it is, a, it is a good baseline. Um, yeah. And it's, okay. it's, it's an attainable, uh, time hack. I think a lot of people don't know what their normal walking pace is, but your, your normal walking pace, granted, you're typically not doing that with weight on your back, but it's probably enough. It's probably quick enough to get this 12 miler done. I mean, you've got five hours uh, to cover mm, those 12 yeah. miles. So unless you make an egregious error plotting your course, you're probably going to be 
okay. You're, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you're not, you're not jogging, you're not running. It's just not that. So I, I, I don't want to undersell it, but I also don't want it to be so intimidating that somebody who, who's on the fence that's listening to us, uh, doesn't come out and do it. Uh, and sure. so and, and it'll be a fun time. It'll be a fun time and you'll get to see parts of your city or a new city that you haven't necessarily seen before. Yeah. You know, if you can put it, if you can put it in term in those terms of like, Hey, all right, can you walk f- to, from, from a said location to go get, go to the airport. Right. I know that I can, right. Cause it, if I needed to get there or can you get across town? Right. And right. then the, the route you're going to take, it, even if you know the city really well, maybe you've driven past a place a hundred times, but never stopped at this one spot, man. There's some magic in that. I've heard that from tons of participants that have said, Hey, I've lived here my whole life, but I've never stopped at this spot. And it's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's something that's really unique about it. Right. So we've talked about kind of what it is. It's not, it's not a a 5k or whatever, where you're running along and there's course markings, you get a list of waypoints and you get to them, how you get to them, right. That's up to you and your team, how you get there. But when you get to each spot, you got to take a picture of your whole team uh, and submit that to the cadre so they know you hit that waypoint but what's what's cool about that is when you get done you've got all these pictures of you and and your team all over this city doing this thing which is kind of a neat aspect you know versus where when you're doing the more traditional events it's you know take off your apple watch and stow your phone because you're not looking at that (laughs) you're not taking pictures for the next however long so i think that's a really unique aspect to it that's a lot of fun now we have had the question posed to us um uh you know okay I'm bringing the the rock. I'm bringing the bag. I'm bringing the weight. I'm going to figure out how I'm getting to all these places um, and getting back. Um, what am I, what am I paying $70 for? We've had that question posed to us. So I, I wanted to, with a cadre on here, be like kind of what goes into the planning and execution of a, of a star course. Well, finding all the, all the points, right? This, the, the planning to get a good route, uh, in order, you know, somebody's taking time and finding out interesting locations. So you're not just going to McDonald's or a random Starbucks, but, uh, to give you some like a historical spot or a cool piece of architecture or art, right. um, something that's actually like worth seeing. Um, and I, I know that most of the places that I've seen have been like, you know, hey, it's an experience, right? You're there to, to ride the go ruck ride. Yeah. And, um, and it might be as bumpy as you want to make it. Um, past that, like, hey, you've got patches, you've got an admin phase. Um, that's just what it costs. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think 70 bucks is a steal for a Star Horse patch. That's what I'm saying. And the upside is for a solid seven listener, you don't even, you don't even have to pay 70 bucks. You just, you just use that super awesome promo code, solid 715 off. And you get 15% you go, off. It's an, it's an even plug, better deal. Plug, plug. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, now, you know, I, the, I feel it's funny that like, I feel like the rules on star course are so loose other than like, you you just got to get around on your feet and the weight has to be with you. Right. So as long as you're not under wheels at any point, like you're pretty much good to go. You want to support vehicle. Fine. You want to stop in a Seven Eleven, grab a Gatorade and a candy bar. Fine. You want to, you want to use yeah. your phone and nav fine. So like we did, um, I guess it's coming up on, it's been over a year, maybe two years ago. We did the 26.2, uh, in Tampa. And I think I used in route, which made, uh, the process pretty easy and re- really did mm-hmm. feel like, uh, cheating, uh, but it wasn't. So, um, but like, uh, well, and uh, Josh, I'll let you, if you like, if you want to pose the question, but I'm, you know, Josh like, can we just like Google these? And so like, 
could could you like do you like do participants just use Google or the people who are just like hardcore like I'm going to get an area map and we're just going to figure it out like what's the the standard there? Well, I've seen the hard ranger way, um, but there is specific. There are specific apps that you can put in the different locations that you're going to go to, and then it'll optimize you know the best route. Uh, and so that's that's the best way to do it. Um, now, if you only do the Google way, uh, you can basically end up going from point A to point B way across town, and then oh, it might take you all the way back where. You know, if you optimize your route using a different app, then you can be more efficient. Um, I have seen guys, some guys use the old map and compass way, uh, but I don't think that that works out real well. You know, you're, you're an evolved trooper. You can uh, use some technology and that's, you know, hey, that's real, real life, you know, yeah. so why not, why not do it? Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I, I've read some guys, um, you know, AARs from doing like the 50 milers. And just, um, you can get yourself in some distance trouble real fast with some poor route mm-hmm. planning where it might be 50 miles. It might be 60. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I believe uh, spoiler alert, you know, if any of your listeners are tuned into this, I believe that methodology is soon to change. And so imagine this is like, Hey, all right, well, we're just going to go point to point. And so um, you're going to start at point a and then meet me at point B go. And then when you get to point B, you can go to, you'll give you point C and then you've got a time and a distance to get there. And then, so it, it'll also kind of barrier where the people are. Yeah. Um, so not everybody's going in different directions in a big circle, but you can kind of con- command and control that yeah. a little bit better. Um, I think that's the, the, the future of the star course and, um, and it'll, it really lead to that like race atmosphere a little bit more yeah. than it, it does. Uh, and also help with, uh, help with kind of the, the route planning. Yeah, no, that's cool. That sounds so, fun. So when like the, you know, how many people normally do a star course? Would you say like overall, how many are in attending? It totally yeah. depends, but just for your, for the sake of your question, let's right. say 20 people. So, going from group a to group or spot a to spot b is it just a herd of 20 people just all like moving to the same spot to the exact same locations or the way that they have done it in the past no because the way that it has been is everybody's in their little groups so say there's 20 people you might have four or five person teams and it takes team a you know, a couple minutes longer to plan. So they're all separate and then they might also have different routes, um, planned. So one group might go to the North, one might group go, might go to the South. So you never see anybody. You have no idea how fast you need to go. But this, but this way that I'm talking about that we've kind of floated the idea of is, uh, you know, making it a little bit more, uh, race mentality. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll say like, uh, at least from what I've read and then the, the 26.2 that I did, like it, there's always one long, at least one longer movement. I feel like where it's going to be a few miles, uh, out and back. And so there's also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of some, not necessarily gamesmanship, but you might have a team that wants to knock out that long trudge early in, in their course. Mm-hmm. And some might want to just wrap with it where you can just kind of head down and go. So that kind of varies, you know, maybe when they might incorporate that into their, their route but yeah when, yeah. when we did it, we had a good crowd in tampa um at least for the the 26.2 and yeah everybody still just kind of kind of scattered so yeah there's a lot of variables uh which 
can be good, uh, but you could also have some uh, some cons there as well. So, well, hopefully we, we've sold some more people. Hopefully uh, some of the listeners will hit up. We've made it easy for you. You can go to GoRuck's website. You can find the registration for uh, November 6th for the 12 mile that we're doing. You can also just go to starcourse.solid7podcast.com. That'll take you right to that registration page. Uh, but come out and join us. And, and we're doing the this episode will be out after we're doing it. But we'll put out some social media uh, that hopefully some people will see. So we're actually doing an eight miler this Saturday. Um, and we're going to, yeah. we're going to go ahead and uh, I told you before we, we hit record, but, uh, Emily, I won't say conned. Uh, I don't know. I think she was working some case officer magic on us, but we, we brought up Chad 1000 X, which they're doing the actual Jacksonville event the morning before our star course. So we're like, yeah, I don't know. We, you know, we want to support the cause. Don't, don't know if we want to do it the morning before our star course. She's like, Oh, you can totally do it. Like you just should do it. Oh, so yeah. we're like, okay, we'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> so this Saturday we're going to, we're going to knock out some step ups before we, we do eight miles and, and let everybody get some real mileage in their, in their shoes and uh, on their shoulders awesome. and see how things are going. But uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll get a few more people out for that, but go ruck far from the only thing you've got going on. So are you like, what else, what else are you into? I know there's some, some different causes you're, you're backing and yeah. running and different stuff like that. That's a, uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about that as well. But, uh, man, like an, another great way is find a ruck club, right? Yeah. Find a group of people that you can train with. And then if you don't have anybody else, the sandbag and ruck training program that we do at go ruck. So it's basically app based every day you have a workout and, uh, and we're going to kind of lead you through how you can train with just a ruck and a sandbag. And then you can get some miles in too, and just get yeah. started with it, but finding other like-minded folks that you can rely on to, to push you a little bit. It will always be the best way to train. Well, and we didn't really hit on that on here, but you're, uh, I, I think you were in, and still are head of training for Go Rock, right? So you're kind of developing and, and implementing that stuff. That's right. Yep. Gotcha. So is that through Sandlot then, or is there another route they should be finding that through? No, so we're going to, uh, there, it will be an integration phase with the, uh, ideally with the, the app that we settle on. Uh, currently, it's a, a separate app we use Beyond the Whiteboard, which is um, one of the most popular CrossFit apps, yeah. um, gyms that g CrossFit gyms use, uh, apps that CrossFit gyms use, sorry, um, to kind of track their progress, put everything in one solid place. And there's a lot of, a lot of really cool things that we do on there, um, that you can plug in with and be part of a community overall, uh, but not, not currently part of the Sandlot app. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I actually, there's a, one of our, our listeners and supporters, he's up in the pack Northwest <laughs> up in Washington uh, and he's just really kind of caught the, the vision for this stuff uh, on his own. And so he's kind of starting to ruck on his own and he's doing Chad uh, and trying to get some people in on Chad 1000 X with him. But he had texted me just today. He's like, do you think I could get in pretty decent shape with just a, a ruck and a sandbag? And I'm like, dude, you, you absolutely uh, absolutely can. And, uh, and really that's, yeah. that's the path for him. Hit that, hit that resource and just start, start going and build some community around it. And I mean, Jason yeah, literally posted the other day on his Instagram, him just doing the, you pick, he picks up the, it's the burpee sandbag thing. He like throws it over his shoulder, gets down, does a pushup, yeah. picks yeah. back up, flip it over his back does it, and just repeat, repeat, repeat. And I'm like, yeah, I think you get a decent workout just doing that for, and I think it was how many can you do in 60 seconds yeah. for a 60 pound sandbag. Yeah. What was your 60 you by go. 60 count? 20. Good Lord, man. Now, That's I, it? 
<laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all I had time for. I, I think I think you could get a little bit, maybe a rep or two more if you're five foot six, um, but I'm not. So <laughs> it's a, it's a less of a fall for the bag to go. You can squeeze in a couple more. Yeah, the, the, that's the, it. We're an audio only podcast, so the listeners can't tell this. But um, you know, in your mid thirties with two kids, you were ripped to shreds. And all I can say is, how <laughs> dare you, sir? I'm pretty sure you can kill me one punch. The, the fact that like. I, I can neither use my uh, age nor my children as an excuse is deeply offensive to me. So I, I really don't appreciate it. Sorry, bro. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, hey, you're on the path, right? And I'm, I'm just on that path to try to help you, you know, maximize your potential, too. So, you know, I, I've just been consistent. That's uh, That's all I can claim. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, talk about what else you got going on though, man. Like uh, for sure, I, I'd love to hear you like put, uh, you know, talk about the force blue stuff and some of the other stuff you're into. So I got in for, uh, involved with force blue uh, a couple years ago, actually through go Rup connection. Uh, one of the other cadre was like, Hey, I think you'd be into this and hooked me up with the guys and basically taking our combat dive skills and repurposing, you know, scuba dive operations for ocean conservation. And it's been a really awesome way to connect with, uh, both other veterans and the ocean and, and a really like scientific community. Um, so doing, you know, turtle research, uh, with scientists doing uh, coral reef restoration, whether it's replanting uh, new, like, grown corals or giving them medication to fight off uh, bleaching diseases in the Keys all the way down to doing uh, ocean cleanups for uh, we've got a big thing going on with like Pepsi and the Super Bowl, um, the NFL and they're working hand in hand with Force Blue now and they've just been doing some amazing things over the the course of last year and uh, making a big change in the oceans which is, is critical man, I mean so much of the earth well, I mean, hey, we're, we're a big body of water. Yeah. And, uh, and if we just trash it all the time, we're going to have huge impacts on seafood, which a large percentage of the population eats a lot more seafood than Americans. And, uh, and so we need to keep our resources good. And uh, it really helps kind of, you know, put everything in perspective when yeah. you can uh, think about the earth on a, a larger scale and just where you're where you're currently standing. Yeah. So I'd check it out. Um, and then, you know, besides that, uh, oh, I live in Marrakesh, uh, Morocco. So my wife and I, we came out here a couple years ago and had the opportunity to uh, maintain our business stuff at home in North Carolina, but renovate a uh, boutique hotel. So we've basically started uh, uh, a bed and breakfast uh, for, and trying to open up this area of the world to travelers and like-minded folks that want to get outside of their comfort zone and, you know, experience Morocco. Um, so we're awesome. live and, uh, it's called Riyadh La Vie, right. And, and the life, but yeah. everybody, you know, it's like say La Vie, right. You, you know what La Vie is. And our idea is that you have the ABCs of life adventure. You can live the adventurous life. You can use, live the beautiful life or the chill life. And you can do all of those things in Morocco to the highest extent it, for pennies on your dollar. So, wow. I mean, for, for Americans, like it's a very, very safe, chill location. Um, and so I want to share that with uh, other people. How did you come across picking Morocco to live and do this at? So her, her mother is my wife's mother is Moroccan. Uh, and so, you know, we, we were thinking about vacation. She had uh, spent some time here studying abroad and grew up here until she was like 10. Um, and then 
you know, always spoke really highly of it. We needed a vacation. So we came over here and I just fell in love, uh, everything that you can do here, all the different activities, uh, just kind of the, the style and the pace of life. I really liked it. And we needed to find something we could do. Cause I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of like forming businesses around the things that I love. Yeah. And, um, so that's what we've, that's what we've come to do out here. No, that's How many awesome, years have you been out there now? I'm sorry. How many years have you been out there now? Two. So, uh, you know, Hey, the, the events that have transpired over the course of the last year have, uh, have kind of changed the dynamic a little bit, but it's given us good time to, uh, finish our renovation and, uh, and, and really get things the way that we wanted them to be here. And so it's been, it's been a, a work in progress, but man, we're, we're live and, uh, fully running now. That's awesome. Very cool. How yeah. did that, like, how did COVID, uh, affect the, the CrossFit business for you? Like, I know it, it drew, drew, you know, drove a lot of interest in fitness, but a lot of home stuff. Was there a pivot there for you guys or? Well, it really depended on the state that you were in. Yeah. Right. Um, unfortunately. And so for the CrossFit gym, I, I set that aside. Um, so I, you know, I, I own the building, but one of my coaches really had the desire to own the gym. So he was able to buy the business side from me. And, um, and so I was able to step away from that and basically let them make it their baby and live their dream. So I've been really blessed with the, with having the right people, you know, and that was kind of one of the goals from all along, right? One of the coaches that I felt that we helped develop basically grew up to the point where they had the confidence to have their own place. Yeah. That's awesome. But you're still in that space, right? Like I know uh, next week you're planning on, you're going to be out at the rogue event here in the States and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And a big difference between like a gym owner and, you know, Hey, there's, there's a huge spectrum now. And so being in the go ruck, like being the director of training for go ruck, I feel like I can positively impact so many more people. I mean, Hey, okay. I was stoked if I had a hundred members, but if we have a thousand members for go ruck training, like, wow, you know, the impact that we can have, um, I'm, I'm really happy with that. And so we're still connected with the events and getting people rucking and being outside and training and just like being in person, right? Cause that's what it's all about. Like you can, you can, you can be the biggest, best guy in your garage all day. But if you, as soon as you step out of the fishbowl, like you got to swim with the sharks. Right. And so, um, we're, we're, I'm pretty lucky and, and happy to be going to the rogue invitational. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like the pinnacle. Very cool, man. Well, this is this episode is going to drop. We're actually a week out. We're recording a little early. So little, the earliest anybody's going to be listening to this on the 25th. So as a cadre, as GoRuck's director of training, if, if somebody's listening to this on the 25th, sitting on their couch, eating, uh, I was going to say Cheetos, but I think it's Takis these days. I think that's the junk uh, snack of, of choice. But And they say, man, I'd like to try this on November 6th, two weeks away. What What's their game plan? What What should they do with those two weeks to have an idea or, or be as ready as they could be for that 12-miler on the 6th? Well, I would say find a find a backpack and put some weight in it and t- take it for a walk. Right? If you've never done anything before um, and you're just getting started, start with 20 pounds. Right? Even if you're, you know, if it says rucking is like, you know, a body weight sport, uh, just start nice and easy and, and get a feel for it. And uh, and then if you don't have a go ruck bag, you're gonna like it because it's designed to hold the weight. So uh, you might you might want to get the right gear that's not gonna make you feel like you're dying. Um, so that'll help and just start moving, right? Do something every day, um, drink more water and, uh, and get your body a little bit accustomed to, to moving out. Awesome. There you go. You can, you can do it. 
you have time. You can yeah. do it. Yeah, it's a, it's that simple. I mean, it's really uh, and and maybe like break in wear the socks that you're gonna wear uh, on game day. You know, because yeah. if your feet fall apart, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a bad one. I at about halfway through our twenty six point two miler, I I oversocked and it was a bad idea. <laughs> it created. Oh, you one. mean like uh like two socks? Uh, yeah, I had I had so I was uh, rocking like in Gingy like toe socks, compression socks for the whole thing. Like that was the base pair for the whole thing, and I felt like that was a good idea. I probably should have just stuck with those. Uh, but uh-huh. I was I was switching shoes at a few points just to move around hot spots. Like I started in. Uh, like Vibrams, uh, which I wear all the time. It was a bad idea for that event, though. Uh, they were good for about twelve miles. So then I'm like, uh, for, like five fingers? Yeah, Are you yeah. About like five fingers? Yeah, yeah. But oh, I mean, boy. it was Starcourse weight. Like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like super, super. But it was the the balls of my feet had started to get hot. So I was switching shoes. I think I switched to some Solomons. I'm like, I'm gonna throw on a pair of uh, like wool socks or some extra cushion. It was just a bad idea. Toes were too crowded. It was a bad deal all around. But I finished. It's fine. That's fine. My feet are fine. My toes are fine. Nobody died. Can we keep talking about your toes? This yeah, is great. No, this is the content. Uh, this is the content that people are here for. Is uh, is my feet? Yeah. But the point is, get your shoes and socks squared away, and you'll be <laughs> you'll be fine. So that's it. Yeah, experiment a little bit, and then wear some darn tough socks, and you'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole like when you get into GoRuck, there's a whole subculture of what what footwear is best for any given GoRuck event. You can people can talk about it for for days. So sure, sure. But uh, well, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad it worked out for sure. Uh, one of the next things on the calendar is going to have to be gonna have to be one of your events we'll have to to put it out there to uh the solid seven world you know we didn't talk about uh chad right oh yeah well so we should uh here's what's funny blast on it i was going to because we we've been pushing it and we want people to to participate whether they come out and do that uh in jack's beach with us on the six or whether or not they do it on their own it's just a good cause and we've been pushing the podcast with sarah and hearing that story but then um i'm i'm listening to uh your your interview on glorious professionals a while back ago mm. and uh yeah. you know self-admittedly for you like your your take on veteran suicide is it's it's a little different than some of the community so i didn't know if you were going to hit on hit on it some here or not or where that made you fall on something like chad but I do no, man, it's rough. Yeah, we're down to talk and, about uh, it for sure. So I've had some a lot of time to like self reflect on it. Yeah, and uh, and actually nobody has brought it up to me, right? Yeah, maybe that's because we uh, that's because we haven't had uh, post event beers and we haven't really talked about it. Um, but standing next to it, and as I think about the things that I say quite often, um, since then. Personally, I haven't heard a lot of uh, guys. I'm not saying that guys have stopped killing themselves, yeah. right? And it's always going to be a tragedy, all the way back down to samurais in Japan. Yeah. Like it's it's a thing, and it should be talked about. Um, but you know, it's it's a tragedy, no matter how you cut it. Um, but I think that uh, even like the, the the logo on the shirts that say "Hey, one more day," right? Like yeah. just keep working, make it, make it another day, right? If you can make it another day. And I know for me, like when I was going through training, I would say, Hey, I got to make it to the next meal. Right. And f- breaking down like your worst days, if you can make it to your next meal and get a full stomach and drink some water and not be drinking, you're going to change 
your perspective, yeah. right? It's not going to be that bad. And, uh, and we don't want to forget our warriors. Like that's not what we're here to do, but we want to really, my thing was like, I just want to deter dudes from ending it. Right. Yeah. Stay in the fight. Right. And, uh, and it's not to like mar your name. It's not to like forget about you as a person because that's not the point. The point is that you're not going to take that path ever. Yeah. Um, and just take one more step, right. Take another, make it another day. You can, things will turn around for you. And so, you know, hopefully like, you know, I, I never want to like, uh, and if that could help clear it up, man, like, Hey, I, I appreciate that. Um, that's my take on it. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I think it was well said on there too, but I, I think the, the strongest point that you made in it to me and, and for sure, we Can always you encourage recap real quick. What was said? Yeah. So basically I said, Hey, as a, as a perspective, if when I was in training, if guys quit, they just disappeared. You never heard their name spoken again. Right. And it was almost like a perspective of, Hey, if you quit, that person no longer exists mm-hmm. and applying that principle to, to suicide, you know, Hey, they leave behind families. Right. So that's an, that's a very unrealistic, um, expectation, right? I'm not saying anybody should do that, but for a warrior mindset, if I say, Hey, well, my buddy's doing that. If my friend just killed himself, maybe that's a solution for me as well. And so for my mentality, if I can stay in the fight one more day or get to that next objective, right? Get to the next meal, get to go jump in some water. I mean, that's like to rehash back to force blue, like as a therapeutic, you can't get pissed off. Try this, try the next time you're really mad about something and you're like, you have a fight with your wife, go jump in the river, right? Go jump in the lake, swim around for five minutes. You will come out of that a different man. Um, because Hey, when you jump in the river, nobody comes out the same man because you're not, the river has changed. And so have you. Um, so, you know, as a therapeutic, like just staying in guy, staying in the fight. And my, I believe my comments were, if, it, if this was in the middle of COVID as well, yeah. where suicide rates are higher and, and veterans are having a hard time. And there's a bunch of, there's about to be a bunch of veterans that are, you know, always transitioning out of the military for one reason or another. And, uh, and they got to find a mission, right? Yeah. But if you kill yourself, um, you know, you've, you've quit, you've quit on somebody along the way you've yeah. quit on yourself. And, uh, and I, I feel pretty strongly about that because your family can't, they, they can't, yeah. they can't afford that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's an, it's an unpopular decision and, uh, and I'm not, I'm de- definitely probably unpopular in some people's eyes for saying it like that. Uh, but I'd, I'd love the opportunity to, to clear it up. And if, if it, if it struck the chord with one dude that was like, you know what? Okay. I'm not going to quit today. I'm going to take one more step. Right. Yep. And that's how you got to get past Chad or that's how yep. you got to climb a mountain, you know, a thousand step ups, or that's how you got to climb a mountain. And for Chad Malone, who just finished, uh, go rock selection, bro, with that 120 pound sandbag on his back, it's one more step. Yeah. I don't care if it's one more step of putting a sandbag or a ruck over your head in the middle of a river. Like that's what, that's the step you have to take. Yeah. So that's uh that's cadre DS Dan's getting more take on that. Well, and I, I think the poignant point that, that you made that really struck home with me, uh, you know, on that, on the episode of glorious professionals, right. It's just talking about it in the context of like what we do with, uh, 
you know, with mass shooters, right? Of stop glorifying it, stop giving them the attention they want. Stop. We shouldn't know their names, right? Don't use their names. And so, uh, you know, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, so correct me if I, if I took this wrong, but it was just like what you want to make sure isn't happening is like glorifying this as an out, right? Like giving, giving honor to, to this act of the suicide. So it's not that you're down on awareness and prevention, but it's, it's saying like, let's focus on the prevention side. Let's focus on the things that are the fix was kind of my takeaway in, in what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other, the other thing to look at is uh, brain trauma as yeah. well. And, uh, and I think that that was a huge part of uh, the Chad situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, dudes rolling through doors, having uh, even micro traumas to the brain of big explosions. Yeah. And then you think about kids playing football, right? Concussions, um, things that you can do to, to like, Hey man, this is, this is all you got right here. Like your brain, you're thinking with this thing. And, and when the lights go out or if there's some mud in there because of trauma, you're going to have a difficult time. And, and you're seeing it with NFL players as well. Guys that are bashing their heads in, you're more, uh, more erratic. You can do, you can take more chances. Yeah. You're not thinking clearly. Um, and, and this is a f- huge common issue. And, and, and one of the, you know, we were talking to uh, a world war two veteran, um, at the last team assessment and asking him for his perspective on why this is happening more. And he said, it's about the velocity, right. Of, of the rounds and the explosions and the, and the frequency that these shock waves are having to our brains and, and that they, they just didn't have that same thing back then. Right. They had, they had other kind of traumas. I'm not saying that they didn't have this, but specifically the door charges, right. Yeah. The grenades stuff that's blowing up. You know, if you hit your head from an IED, this is totally different than world war two trauma that they yeah. experienced. And, um, and so going forward, like, how do you fix that? Right. What do you do? What therapeutics are out there? What can you do for your body to help protect your neck, your brain? So I'm huge on like neck training, right? Having a strong neck so that if you, uh, kids, right, especially kids don't train their necks, but you're going to put them with a helmet on and tell them to stand on the offensive and defensive line and smash into each other and expect them to be okay. Right. So so train your kids to protect their brains, right? By protecting their neck to keep them from whiplash. And then things like, you know, I know a lot of veterans are doing, um, I mean, therapy, water therapy, um, ketamine, mushrooms, like do get help. Yeah. If you need it, there's plenty of things to do. Uh, well, and that's the thing. It seems multi-factor, right? Like there's that kind of uh, emotional, psychological side where it's like, and, and what I, I've heard guys talk about, you know, from Tim, Kim, Tim Kennedy to our, our buddy Mike Redacted is like really that, that P- PTSD side, that emotional, psychological trauma. Like you just need to find a way to keep serving like that. You just need to cause that yeah. you need force blue. You need mm-hmm. those things, right? Like you've yeah. just, you just need something to direct your energy to. And then there's the stuff like Chad where it's like, no, your computer's broken and we really need Mm -hmm. to find a way to fix that. Like your wires are crossed or shorted um, and we need to find the solution to that. And like you bringing up mushrooms, it's, you know, it might sound funny to somebody, but I know uh, Tim Ferriss in particular has been funding research into like psilocybin as a treatment for these things. And there's some, some real science and advances there that are, are really hopeful. And, you know, and anybody listening, like if, if that's you, if it's, if it's been the trauma side, if it's the TBI and the, the blast wave injuries, like try and get into a, you know, don't just go 
you know, find a cow patty and pick some mushrooms, but see if you can get into these, these trials, these studies, whatever. Like, you know, like you said, do what you got to do, take the next step, you know, eat the next, next meal, make it to the next day, you know, and reach out and talk to somebody. Two solutions that I would love for you to share and maybe you can put in the show notes and link it in, in your Instagram or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, there's, uh, one of my good friends, Jeff Gainock, he was, a uh, I believe he retired as a Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, he was an anesthesiologist and his wife was a Fulberg Colonel. I don't think she put on a star, but these are army doctors. Yeah. They now run uh, ketamine solutions in Colorado Springs and helping people with PTSD addiction issues all kinds of problems with a proven drug that we use in the military and it's helping yeah. with these things. And then there's another organization that I know uh, a Navy SEAL runs uh, and his wife, and I believe it's called Veteran Solutions and it's specifically with uh, psilocybin and, um, and other methodologies that have worked for them and, and they're getting a lot of really good results. Yeah. For me, I've never taken any of these drugs. I've just jumped in the water yeah. and it's been fine. Right. Like, but man, if it, if it works for a couple guys, like search it out and find, you got to give a warrior his war, right. And, and or his mission, right. Yeah. He doesn't always need the war, but he needs a mission. And, uh, and guys just got to find that niche, right. Find something you're passionate about and then throw yourself at it hard yeah. and, and you'll be all right. Well, what was the name of that first one? Go ahead. Uh, it's ketamine. Uh, I want to say ketamine solutions, but it's Jeff, Jeff and Janet Gaynock in uh, Colorado Springs and all, all, uh, as soon as we get off here, I'll blast you the, the awesome. page. So yeah. we can. Okay, awesome. Well, and the challenge, it sucks that you've, you've got to go seek those things out, right? Like it's not the VA where I feel like we should be driving this and be on the cutting edge of this thing. That, that, that ain't, that ain't it. And I, you know, yeah. you can't let that be your excuse not to get the help you need though. Like, it's not right. there and what should be the should be the easy path should be readily available should be you know the bleeding edge of figuring these things out it's just not but it's it's out there and you just you got to go get after it and find it elsewhere cuz you know the you know the VA the government the whoever they're they're not going to do it for you and really even you know your primary care doctor you know he she they're probably not squared away on this stuff either like you got to put in the work and and do it yeah and if you want to solve the problems, you know, you got to look under stones that aren't already turned over. You know, yeah. you got to like, you got to start, you got to be unconventional about your ways that you go about things. If you're constantly looking at looking at the big pharmaceuticals to solve your problems is not going to be the answer you're searching for, I, I believe. Yeah. And there's, there's enough guys out there and I'm always a resource. So anybody that listens to this, you know, hit me up and I'll, I'll try to link you up with people I know or anything you cut out right when you said guys just being a resource for each you other. cut out right when you said you linked them up with what uh you know any i, I try to be a resource for yeah. a, a good resource for anybody um and if you just shoot me a message on instagram or facebook or whatever um i'll try to find something to find a way to help you solve the problem that you're looking attack attacking and that's just sometimes networking people to the to the people that could help help you out yeah, that's cool. good, man. Well, if you, you know, if you want to kind of support these causes, you know, work on on lowering the number of suicides, finding these kind of solutions. Uh, that's what started this conversation. Is we're, we're doing the Chad One Thousand X. You know, it's a it's a hero workout, not unlike the the Murph. So Murphs around Memorial Day, they're they're working on uh, Chad One Thousand X, kind of being the Veterans Day. 
uh, workout, I think is the goal there. So that's, that's coming up here around veterans day. So you can find more information at Chad 1000 X.com. Uh, we, we put a direct thing on, on our website. So you can just go to Chad 1000 X.solid seven podcast.com. Either way, all, all roads lead to Rome and you can support that cause. And it's a, it's a lot of weighted box steps is, is the goal there. And there's a, a whole story behind that, but listen to Chad's widow's uh, story on, uh, Sarah Wilkinson on uh, Jocko's podcast on glorious professionals podcast. Uh, she didn't, she didn't hold back, man. I mean, she's a, she's a straight shooter and, and kind of taking that, that experience and trying to, to turn it for good for, and, and support those things. But if somebody does want to reach out to you, um, find you, um, not just you personally, but, uh, force blue and, and the Airbnb, like where do people find you online? Yeah. Dance get more 11 Instagram or uh, cadre DS on Facebook. Um, I try to only add friends on Facebook that either have a ruck in their, uh, in their picture, or, uh, you can see that they're a real person. Cause I get a lot of spam yeah. on there. Uh, so you don't but, want to be friends with like a Chevy truck as their, <laughs> as their profile picture <laughs> or just like some ridiculous, uh, you know, girl with like 10 other friends and you know, that's a, yeah. a it's a bot. Uh, I that's think that's a, a real problem nowadays. That's just a good life rule I might have to ad- adopt from now on. If you want to befriend me on social media, there needs to be a ruck involved in your profile <laughs> pic. I don't hate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, hey, I'll accept it if, yeah. if you're if you're down and uh, you know it's part of part of who you are. Yeah. But um, yeah, that or uh, you know, Force Blue has their own uh, websites. You can easily find that, and then uh, RealNavi dot com is uh, is our website if you're looking to have a vacation and uh, travel to somewhere that's super safe you know like we I, I, I've traveled all over the place and I've never walked down the street here and been like oh man I'm not in a good neighborhood um, it is that cool yeah. I mean go Rucks giving go Rucks giving me the opportunity to travel to a lot of different cities and states and um, and everywhere you go you know it's like oh I shouldn't be in this area of town at yeah. this hour or oh man I feel you know I'm, I'm out of place here never felt that way here. Um, and it's just a totally different culture, very open and, um, and, and pretty liberal. So, um, in the best sense. No, if I'm there um, with my, with my wife and my small children and I, I'm staying there in Marrakesh with you and I'm, I'm living out the ABCs and for whatever reason, mm-hmm. as things sometimes do in Africa, things just go sideways. True or false. Uh-huh. You can call in close air support at the BNB. I could go through the motions, but, uh, Hey, it's a two way street. So I need it. I need a plane and, uh, and something to do there, but I could train you up on, uh, on urban survival and, uh, and E and E and then take care of the priorities of work in a bad situation. So that's, you know, a realistic, um, point there is, Hey man, like, you know, I'm a prior special operations guy. If you're traveling abroad, like I'm, I'm taking it, taking you under my wing and, uh, and helping you experience the best things possible. I'm sold, man. Um, Book it. Let's do it. <laughs> Book it. Make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you goes. know, a, a special only for uh, solid seven podcast listeners, 50% off of the, at the BNB. Just, uh, just hit up Kadri Diaz on Instagram. Yep. Okay. <laughs> That's that's a joke. Pay full price. It's worth hey, every man, penny. If you if you use that if you use that solid seven, if you listen to this podcast, I'll honor that man. Why not? <laughs> Good deal. Well, dude, for real, thank you so much for doing this. Maybe uh, maybe we'll do an, an AAR uh, with you after uh, after we knock out these events. Or uh, like I said, we well, I'd like to keep stuff like this going with with our listeners and, and with our little group. Maybe build a little solid seven rec club out of it. But uh, we'll definitely have to get one of your events on the calendar, man, for sure. 
I absolutely love that. So, well, brother, really appreciate your time and uh, appreciate you coming on. Go check out uh, the Airbnb. Go check out Blue Forest. Uh, hit him up on Instagram and go online and register and join us uh, for this star course coming up here on November 6th. You can just go to solidsofapodcast.com. There'll be links to everything there. Uh, links to what we've talked about today will be in the show notes and you can uh, hit those up. If you want to get behind uh, what we're doing here, you can uh, click a little Patreon link on the website and uh, throw us some uh, support as Jocko likes to say, and uh, maybe get yourself a little little solid seven podcast, better than average coffee mug from which you can drink any beverage you would like. And uh, but you definitely get some bonus content with that each week, and uh, helps make all this happen. And uh, other than that, until next time, have a great life. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>